Good day. Welcome to another episode of the Audible Local Ledger Reads to the Blind podcast. You can get more information at audiblelocalledger.org. Stay tuned for today's reading. Hello, this is Carolyn reading to you from the Cape Cod Times on Wednesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. As always, we'll start with the local weather. Today will be a day with plenty of sunshine. Highs will be about 35 degrees. Tonight will be clear with lows of 18 degrees. The sun rose this morning at 6.39 a.m. and will set tonight at 5.13 p.m. Tomorrow, Thursday, February 15th, we'll see plenty of sunshine, but rain and perhaps some snow at night. Highs will be 38 degrees and lows 31 degrees. Friday will also be a mostly sunny and breezy day. Highs 39 degrees and lows 21 degrees. On Saturday, we'll see a bit of snow and rain in the afternoon. Highs will be 39 and lows 21 degrees. And finally, on Sunday, we'll see periods of sunshine, but it will be breezy in the afternoon. Highs will be 36 degrees and lows 26 degrees. And next, in other local news, we'll go to the lottery numbers. In the numbers game for yesterday, Tuesday, February 13th, at the midday drawing, the numbers were 5, 7, 4, 7. Again, that's 5, 7, 4, 7. The evening drawing for yesterday, the 13th, Five zero six eight. Once again, that's five zero six eight. The mass cash numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, February thirteenth, were four, twelve, nineteen, twenty two, and twenty eight. Mega Millions numbers for yesterday, February thirteenth, were one. 3, 19, 25, 58, with a bonus number of 20. And finally, the Lucky for Life numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, February 13th. 5, 11, 35, 41, 44, with a lucky ball of 12. If you were one that played any of these games, we wish you the best of luck. And now, in local news, we will go to our front page stories. The first story is about the winter storm we had yesterday. It is entitled, Winter Storm Brings Snow Wind Outages, by Zane Razak, Cape Cod Times, USA Today Network. Cape Cod was among was among one of the harder hit parts of the state after a late southward shift in Tuesday's storm. Schools closed in the morning. By midday, 
blowing wet snow pelted the region, and by 2 p.m., thousands were without power. The heaviest snowfall on the Cape was expected to occur through 5 p.m., according to the National Weather Service. By the end, the storm was expected to bring nine inches of heavy, wet, accumulating snow, high winds with gusts up to 60 miles an hour, and mild to moderate coastal flooding, according to a report from the Barnstable County Regional Emergency Planning Committee. The Upper Cape was, by the end of the storm, expecting snowfalls, snowfall totals between 6 and 10 inches, while the Mid Cape and Outer Cape totals, as well as snow totals for the islands, were expected to be slightly less, with 4 to 6 inches, according to Barnstable County Regional Emergency Planning Committee. Strong wind was expected into Wednesday afternoon, with gusts reaching up to 40 miles an hour in some areas, according to the Regional Emergency Planning Committee report. The committee also reported that lingering wing winds, along with temperatures in the mid-20s to low-30s, could make post-storm cleanup difficult and hinder restoration of areas affected by power outages. I think one of the concerns is the freezing temperatures. Bethany Travers, Barnstable County Regional Emergency Planning Committee Public Information Officer, said Tuesday afternoon. It's not going to be super cold. It's going to be around freezing. But there's going to be a decent wind chill, and there's going to be a lot of cleanup, a lot of limbs down, power issues, power lines that need to be repaired. In coastal areas, mild to moderate coastal flooding was expected around the Tuesday afternoon high tide, and could also carry into the Wednesday morning high tide. Winter storm, high wind, and coastal flooding warnings remained in effect throughout Tuesday. Power lines down in Falmouth close Route 28. Tuesday's wintry storm brought power lines down across Route 28 north and south near Thomas B. Landers Road, as well as on the ramps, according to Falmouth Fire Department's Facebook page. As of Tuesday morning around 11, the northbound ramp at Thomas B. Landers Road and the southbound ramp at Route 151 were shut down, according to police. Falmouth safety officials could not be reached for further information at midday. Also in Falmouth, Old Barnstable Road by the Cape Cod Beagle Club and Plum Hollow Road were impassable around 1.15 p.m. due to a fallen tree. In Bourne, a jeep crashed through a stone wall. In Bourne, a white jeep crashed through a roadside stone wall on County Road. 
A born police dispatcher said the department had not yet finished a report, and the crash remained under investigation. Schools agencies closed on the Cape and Islands. Schools across Cape and Islands joined districts statewide and closed for the day. All Massachusetts courts were closed, and Governor Maura Healey directed the state's non-emergency executive branch employees to stay home and telework if possible. Outer Cape Health Services, health centers, and pharmacies in Provincetown, Wellfleet, and Harwich. Also closed. Barnstable County opened its multi-agency coordination center, or MACC, at 7 a.m. Tuesday. In countywide emergencies, the center acts as a clearinghouse for regional resource requests and supports the regional emergency shelter system, according to the county's website. Outages in the area. As of 12:30 p.m., EverSource reported thousands without power across Cape Cod. Yarmouth led the way with 961 affected customers, followed by Mashpee with 480, then Barnstable with 593, and Bourne. With five hundred eighty-six, Falmouth had forty-one affected customers, while Wellfleet and Truro both had fewer than five. By two p.m., more than a thousand were reported without power across Cape Cod. Right now, the snow is very heavy and wet, Travers said Tuesday afternoon. It's draping over the trees and it's breaking off branches. The main concern is really broken branches in the roadways, issues with power lines, and power outages. And there are three store, excuse me, three pictures that go with this story. The first is of a bunch of fishing boats. The caption reads. The Hyannis fishing fleet lights up the Ocean Street docks as a heavy, wet snow picks up intensity midday on Tuesday. The heaviest snowfall on Cape Cod was expected to occur through 5 p.m., according to the National Weather Service. The second picture is of the front of the Brewster store, with a caption that reads. Snow falls during Tuesday's storm in front of the Brewster store, which was decorated with hearts ahead of Valentine's Day. And the third picture is of power crews. Caption reads: Verizon crews brave a heavy, wet snowfall Tuesday as they make repairs to downed service lines along Route 6A. In West Barnstable, our next local front page story in today's Cape Cod Times is entitled "Brewster to Unveil Partner Sea Camps Land Plan" by Heather McCarran, 
Cape Cod Times, USA Today Network. As Brewster moves closer to deciding the future of the former Sea Camp's properties, it has officially found a partner in the Massachusetts Audubon Society. The conservation nonprofit based in Lincoln announced it will contribute $3.5 million toward efforts to conserve and enhance the one-time day and overnight camps. The 65-acre property on Long Pond Road at 500 W.H. Bessie Cartway and the 55-acre property on Cape Cod Bay at 3057 Main Street. The Brewster Conservation Trust, a private land trust, is also joining the efforts, putting in at least $1 million pending voter approval of plans for the properties. The town will continue to own 100% of both properties, said town manager Peter Lombardi. Public access will not be restricted, nor will residents-slash-visitors need to be Mass Audubon members. Residents will get a sneak peek at final reuse proposals developed by planning committees for each of the properties during a virtual community forum town excuse me during a virtual community forum town officials will host from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. via Zoom on Thursday. At this point, both committees have finalized their respective recommended plans for each property, and the select board has endorsed those recommendations, Lombardi said. The final proposals will be shared out on Thursday, and residents will be provided with more details about proposed phasing and financing to implement the plans, he said. Among the proposals are a combination of passive conservation and recreation uses, as well as affordable housing. Vision for Sea Camps Created with Community Sentiments Plans were developed with comments from the community gathered during multiple forums and through surveys, all with an eye on the town's vision plan and local comprehensive plan. It's all been in the making since voters at a special town meeting in September 2021 overwhelmingly approved buying the sea camps from the Delahanty family, which closed the camps in 2020 after decades in business. The property on Long Pond was bought for $6 million, and the Cape Cod Bay property cost $20 million. Both purchases were ratified at a special election in October of the same year. Voters will vote on the plans at the May 11th annual town meeting. Select Board Chairman Ned Chatelain said there's been a lot of support 
for partnering with Mass Audubon and Brewster Conservation Trust, quote, to help conserve critical portions, end quote, of the properties. And the town also has an eye on drinking water protection, in addition to a home for a community center and community housing. The town of Brewster recognizes the unique opportunity presented by these properties for generations to come, and we appreciate Brewster Conservation Trust's and Mass Audubon's willingness to partner with us in a way that balances a variety of public interests and reflects the diverse values expressed by our residents throughout the community planning process, he said. Mass Audubon will maintain the Cape Cod Bay property trails. Mass Audubon is giving $2 million of its, of its pledged $3.5 million contribution toward reuse plans for the Cape Cod Bay property that was the main campus of Sea Camps and includes cabins and other buildings, a beach, and what has become the town pool. The organization would hold a conservation restriction on about 10 acres of the Cape Cod Bay property, affording protection to coastal dunes, a pond, and woodlands, where it plans to maintain and enhance trails and offer nature-based programs in partnership with the town. Audubon additionally proposes to establish an informal nature center with office space on the Cape Cod Bay property and is looking to lease three renovated cabins for seasonal Mass Audubon employees. Conserving much of the Long Pond property. The remaining funds the organization is giving or $1.5 million, would be coupled with the funding from the Brewster Conservation Trust towards conservation and passive recreation uses of the Long Pond property. Conservation Trust President Martin Tino Kemark said this realizes the Trust's mission to protect drinking water supplies, safeguard pond water quality, and provide public walking trails. This protection of 56 acres is the largest land conservation purchase in Brewster since the town protected hundreds of acres in the Punkhorn in the 1980s, he said. Punkhorn Parklands Conservation Area is between Upper Mill, Walkers, Elbow, Hinkley's, and Seymour Ponds. According to Mass Audubon, the organization's partnership would protect 85% of the property under a conservation restriction. Here, too, Audubon would provide environmental and outdoor education for all ages, including birding, guiding wa guided walks, 
kayaking, field studies, and a potential summer camp on the pond property. Mass Audubon President David O'Neill, in a statement, called the collaboration a rare and extraordinary opportunity to protect the ecological integrity of Cape Cod while simultaneously promoting nature-based education to the next generation of outdoor enthusiasts. Sea Camp's virtual meeting at a glance. Date, Thursday, February 15th. Time, 6 to 8 p.m. Place, Zoom link. To find the link on the town website, go to www.brewster-ma.gov slash. Click on Latest News, then Residents Invited to Attend Fourth Community Forum about Future of Sea Camp Properties. More details. Most of the virtual forum will be a presentation by the design team and town staff, with the final 30 minutes reserved for a question-and-answer session. Lombardi said the forum will be followed by additional informational sessions hosted by town staff and committee members, leading up to the final vote to approve the comprehensive plans at the May 11th town meeting. We also plan to open both properties up to residents on select dates this spring so they can tour them before they vote on the plans, he said. More information. For more information about the long-term planning process, Bay Property and Pond Property Planning Committee meetings, and interim activities at both properties, visit the project page, www.brewsterma.gov slash cape-cod-secamps-properties. Give feedback. To provide comments to one or both of the committees, Email bppc at brewsterma.gov hyphen, excuse me, um, semi parentheses, bay property, or pppc at brewster-ma.gov for the pond property. And the picture that goes along with this story is of the Sea Camps building. The caption reads, Brewster voters will decide at the May 11th annual town meeting on plans to reuse the former Cape Cod Sea Camps properties. The old camp office building is shown in a 2020 photo. And next we'll go to our local stories on the Cape and Islands page. The first story, Cumberland Farms Permit Extended in Bourne, by Paul Gately, Special 
to Cape Cod Times. The Bourne Planning Board has extended for two years the Cumberland Farms plan to construct a new convenience store and gas station complex off the Bourne Rotary, south of the Cape Cod Canal. The board on February 8th handled the state, excuse me, the site plan and special permit extension request with no discussion. Chair Daniel Doucette said the extension was allowable due to building constraints and timing. Cumberland Farms planning for its tract at the foot of the Bourne Bridge dates to 2017. The project entails an 8,153-square-foot building on 164,000 square feet in a business zone. The complex would include a fast-food franchisee with a drive-through window, 20 fuel pumps, four electric charging stations, and 102 parking spaces, according to plans. Access would be from the Rotary. Patron vehicles would exit via Route 28, also known as MacArthur Boulevard, Boulevard southbound. The State Department of Transportation has approved access and egress plans with an acceleration lane from the property south along Route 28. The complex is between a funeral home and auto dealership along the boulevard and two motels and a convenience store and bus stop at Trowbridge Road. The cleared Cumberland Farms tract remains fenced off. There are an estimated 15 convenience complexes in Bourne, along with two general stores, two food markets, and the Market Basket supermarket. Cumberland Farms is owned by global convenience store retailer EG Group, headquartered in Westboro. Cumberland Farms' plan is intended to attract visitors' residents. Planners in 2022 argued the Cumberland Complex would help improve rotary traffic safety, replace a neglected strip mall that has been removed, increase tax revenue to the town, and provide lower-cost food and fuel to Bourne residents living south of the canal. Planning by the convenience store company has been slowed over the past two years, however, in part due to town efforts to preserve a 1920s tourist information booth on the tract and move it to the Apuxtic VFW Post 5988 at Shore Road. That move by Hayden Building Movers of Marston's Mills was set to start the week of February 5th, but inclement weather intruded.
the moving date was moved to Tuesday, but that was rescheduled as well due to a storm. Funding for the move totals forty-five thousand dollars, according to Bourne Community Preservation Act Committee Chair Barry Johnson. That total was approved at the twenty twenty-three annual town meeting. And there's an unrelated picture on the Cape and Islands page. The picture of is a person riding a bicycle by a shop with Valentine's decorations. The caption reads, "A heavy wet snow didn't dampen the Valentine's Day vibe." As Kilwin's Candy Store on Main Street in Hyannis set up its display, and workers inside kept busy making batches of chocolate fudge. The next story on the Cape and Islands page is entitled "Judge Upholds Ten Thousand Dollar Fine Against Aquina Select Board Member." By Walker Armstrong, Cape Cod Times, USA Today Network. A Suffolk Superior Court judge upheld a 2022 decision by the State Ethics Commission, ordering an Aquina Select Board member to pay a $10,000 fine for violating the state's conflict of interest law when he approved a payment. For himself, after performing work for the town, Gary Haley, the select board member and master electrician, billed the Martha's Vineyard town for seventeen thousand four hundred forty-five dollars for burying electrical and communication conduits underground in 2018, as part of a beautification project at Aquina Circle. According to court records, we're going to pause this story right now and go to the obituaries. We will continue with the story at the conclusion of the obituaries. And now, in other local news, we'll go to the obituaries. Irene Mary Horak Merrill. Irene Mary Horak Merrill. Age ninety-seven, passed away peacefully on Thursday, February eighth, twenty twenty-four, just a few days shy of her ninety-eighth birthday, at Christopher House of Worcester, with family by her side. Born in Belmont, Massachusetts, on February thirteenth, nineteen twenty-six, she was a graduate of Belmont High School. And Massachusetts College of Art and Design, Boston, Massachusetts. For over thirty years, Irene was the owner/slash director of the Dance Loft, Worcester. Never one to really retire, Irene became the classical ballet instructor at the Cape Cod Conservatory, B.B. Woods Campus in Falmouth, Massachusetts. Teaching slash mentoring for the next twenty years, Irene served on the boards of Dance Masters of America 
and the Worcester Ballet Society. The family is forever grateful for the loving, compassionate care provided by the outstanding staff on the Brookside unit at Christopher House. Funeral Mass will be celebrated at St. Anthony's Church, 167 East Falmouth Highway, East Falmouth, on Saturday, February 17th at 10 a.m. Burial will follow at St. Anthony's Cemetery. In lieu of flowers, remembrances may be made to a charity of one's choice. Madeline Comerford Madeline or Lynn Comerford, age 79, of Cape Cod, passed away Wednesday, February 7, 2024, after a short illness. She was married to the late Thomas Comerford for 40 years. They lived together in Spencer, Massachusetts, before Lynn relocated to Cape Cod in 2015. A Mass in Lynn's honor will be held at St. Pius Church, 5 Barbara Street, South Yarmouth, Massachusetts, 02664, Saturday, February 17, 2024, at 11 a.m. A burial will take place at the Massachusetts National Cemetery, Connery Avenue, Buzzards Bay, Massachusetts, 02542, Monday, February 19th at 9 a.m. A private celebration of life will be held in the spring per Lynn's wishes, date to be decided. In lieu of flowers, please make a donation to your local animal shelter in Lynn's name. Arrangements by the Nickerson Bourne Funeral Home at 40 MacArthur Boulevard, Bourne, Massachusetts. Jack Coughlin Jack Coughlin, age 81, of Yarmouth, Massachusetts, husband, father, grandfather, and friend to many, passed away on February 10, 2024. Jack was a master auto mechanic known for his expertise in the field. He was the proud owner of Franklin Globe, Texaco. In his free time, Jack enjoyed traveling, attending car shows, watching Bruins games, and taking on home repair projects. He was a dedicated member of the community and found solace in his faith. Jack worshipped at the St. Pius X Catholic Church in Yarmouth, Massachusetts. Jack Coughlin will be deeply missed by his family, friends, and all those whose lives he touched. His memory will be forever cherished. A wake will be held from 4 to 6 p.m. on Thursday, February 15, 2024, at Chapman Funerals and Cremations, 58 Long Pond Drive, Yarmouth. A funeral mass will be celebrated in St. Pius X Church, 
Barbara Avenue, South Yarmouth, at 11 a.m. on Friday, February 16, 2024. In lieu of flowers, donations may be made, in Jack's name, to the American Lung Association, 55 West Wacker Drive, Suite 1150, Chicago, Illinois, 60601 or www.action.lung.org Notes of comfort may be made to chapmanfuneral.com Lorraine Kiley McGuire Lorraine Kiley McGuire of West Harwich, formerly of Newton, passed away on February 8th at the age of 95. Beloved wife of the late Robert E. McGuire for 65 years. Relatives and friends are invited to a funeral mass on Friday, February 16th at 11 a.m. in the Holy Trinity Church, 246 Main Street, West Harwich. Interment to follow in the family lot of Holy Trinity Cemetery. Visit DeVitoFuneralHome.com to view an online guest book. And now we'll resume the story that we were reading prior to the obituaries. That story is entitled, Judge Upholds $10,000 Fine Against Aquina Select Board Member. In October 2022, the Ethics Commission found Haley violated the state's conflict of interest law. Haley appealed the Ethics Commission ruling in November 2022 to the Suffolk Superior Court which Judge Mark Hallal then denied in a February 6th decision. The conflict of interest law prohibits state, county, and municipal employees in the Commonwealth from participating as public employees in matters in which they have a financial interest, said Jerry Twody, spokesperson for the Ethics Commission. The Superior Court decision reinforces the Commission's initial ruling and maintains it correctly applied the law in its determination, he said. Court documents outline facts in the case. The electrical work Haley billed the town for was initially assigned to Eversource, according to court documents, which was tasked with digging a trench to install conduits for electrical wires. The project involved laying sand over the electrical conduits so telecommunications conduits could be installed above them before the trench could be covered. After Eversource dug the trench, Verizon and Comcast told the town they could not install the telecommunication conduits. Haley then told the town administrator 
he would install them for free, court records show. When Haley began the work, he realized Eversource had not laid the layer of sand over the conduits. Records show he then decided to install the sand and condu conduits, subsequently submitting a $17,445 invoice on June 11, 2018, to the town for himself and two hired laborers. A payment to Haley was made through an expense warrant filed on June 20, 2018, that first had to be approved by the select board, requiring each member to sign off on the payment. Court records show Haley signed the warrant and received a check for the full amount three weeks later. Haley's attorney, Richard Gross, declined comment. And now we'll go to our front page national news story in today's Cape Cod Times. That story is entitled, Senate Backs Aid for Ukraine-Israel. Speaker says House won't take up $95 billion bill. By Riley Began, USA Today. The Senate passed a $95 billion foreign aid bill early Tuesday by a 70-29 to 29 vote after a lengthy battle that highlighted deep foreign policy rifts within the Republican Party. The package would appropriate $60 billion to support Ukraine and send $14 billion in military assistance to Israel, $9 billion in humanitarian assistance to Gaza and elsewhere, and nearly $5 billion to defend Taiwan. However, its fate is questionable. House Speaker Mike Johnson has said his chamber will not consider the legislation because it does not include border security provisions. Proponents of the legislation, including most Democrats and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, see Russian President Vladimir Putin as a threat to democracy in Europe. An investment in Ukraine's effort to hold Russia at bay would prevent the involvement of American troops down the line, they argued, should Russia succeed and feel emboldened to attack an ally in the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. If we want the world to remain a safe place for freedom, for democratic principles, and for our future prosperity, then America must lead the way. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said on the Senate floor after the bill's passage. And with this bill, the Senate declares that American leadership will not waver. Senator Mitt Romney, Republican from Utah, called it 
the most important vote we will ever take as United States senators. He was one of the 18 Republican senators who repeatedly blocked a filibuster by former Representative Adam Kinzinger on Speaker Mike Johnson's refusal to take up the bill in the House, their peers in the days leading up to the final vote. We ought to be taking care of America's problems. The majority of Senate Republicans, however, opposed advancing the aid. They cited hesitations to use taxpayer money to support a war in a foreign country while there are other issues to tackle at home and increasing federal debt. We ought to be taking care of America's problems before we take care of the world's problems, said Senator Rand Paul, Republican Kentucky, who led efforts to slow the passage of the bill. Much of the funding that would be set aside for Ukraine would go to U.S. defense contractors. Nearly $20 billion would replenish the Department of Defense's stockpile of weapons and equipment it has already provided to Ukraine. Close to $14 billion would go to a Defense Department program in which the agency buys new weapons for Ukraine from U.S. manufacturers. Senator Ron Johnson, Republican of Wisconsin, called it a, quote, completely depraved justification for this war, end quote, that the funding would build up the American industrial base or create jobs. Putin is an evil war criminal, he said, but he will not lose. Some left-leaning senators, too, voted against the bill over concerns about supporting Israel's continued bombardment of Gaza. How does it happen that despite waging a horrific war which has caused massive suffering, that U.S. Congress is about to send another $10 billion of unrestricted military aid to Israel. Senator Bernie Sanders, independent from Vermont, said Sunday, It is beyond comprehension to me. Many Republicans who voted against the bill also contended that the package failed to include a plan to, sec to secure the United States' southern border. Republicans killed a bipartisan agreement last week that would have made significant migration policy changes. Senator Kirsten Sinema, independent of Arizona, one of the lead negotiators on the border deal that fell apart, quipped Monday that if Republicans want an aid deal with a border package, they should, quote, build a time machine, end quote. 
Trump says no aid without the hope of a payback. Former President and Republican frontrunner Donald Trump's opinion on this legislation seeped into the debate, like the bipartisan border agreement before it. The slow march to passage dovetailed with comments Trump made at a campaign rally in South Carolina, in which he said NATO allies need to pay 2% of their GDP to military readiness, or he would, quote, encourage Russia to do whatever the hell they want, end quote. He also wrote on Truth Social that the U.S. should stop giving foreign aid without the hope of a payback. That suggestion gained steam among some Republicans as the final vote approached. Even Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, a consistent defense hawk who has been a vocal proponent of the aid, said Monday night that he would support the package only if the aid were given as a loan. President Trump is right to insist that we think outside the box. Republican opposition awaits $95 billion measure in-house. Despite clearing the Senate, the bill's path forward in the House is murky. Johnson's pledge to reject it leaves Democrats and centrists in the House with one main option, forcing consideration through a tool called a discharge petition, which would require a handful of Republicans to join with Democrats to get 218 signatures. It's rarely successful. But Republican Senator Tom Tillis, Republican North Carolina, told reporters he had discussed the possibility with House members. Democrats have pledged to use, quote, every available legislative tool, end quote, to force a vote. And some moderate Republicans have already begun arguing for the move. Idiot, former Representative Adam Kinzinger, Republican of Illinois, wrote on X Monday after Johnson said the bill would not be considered in the House. Time for a discharge position or for three Republicans to vote against every rule until Johnson agrees, Kinzinger said. You will not win unless you fight fire with fire. And next in national news story, inflation still easing, but gradually. U.S. prices in January up 3.1% from year earlier. By Christopher Ruggeber, Associated Press. Consumer inflation in the United States cooled last month, yet remained elevated in the latest sign 
that the pandemic-fueled price surge is only gradually and fitfully coming under control. Tuesday's report from the Labor Department showed that the Consumer Price Index rose 0.3% from December to January, up from a 0.2 increase the previous month. Compared with a year ago, prices are up 3.1%. That is less than the 3.4% figure in December and far below the 9.1% inflation peak in mid-2022. But the latest reading is still well above the Federal Reserve's 2% target level at a time when public frustration with inflation has become a pivotal issue in President Joe Biden's bid for re-election. Excluding volatile food and energy costs, so-called core prices climbed 0.4% last month, up from 0.3% in December. On a year-over-year basis, core prices were up 3.9% in January, the same as in December. Core inflation is watched especially closely because it typically provides a better read of where inflation is likely headed. Tuesday's report showed that the drivers of inflation have decisively shifted from goods like used cars, gasoline, and groceries, which are now falling in price or rising much more slowly to services, including hotel rooms, restaurant meals, and medical care. That shift could raise concerns for the Fed, because services inflation typically takes longer to cool. At his most recent news conference, Federal Fed Chair Jerome Powell singled out persistently high services prices as a concern and said the central bank's policymakers want services inflation to ease further before starting to cut their key interest rate. There's still some inflation in the system that's going to take some time to work through, said Omer Sharif, founder of Inflation Insights, a research firm. This justifies the Fed wanting to wait and see how things are going to go. Biden administration officials frequently note that inflation has plummeted since pandemic-related supply disruptions and significant government aid set, sent its soaring three years ago. And a raft of forward-looking data suggests that inflation will continue to cool. The pace of wage growth has slowed, which reduces the pressure on companies to raise prices to offset higher labor costs. 
and consumers and business owners collectively expect lower inflation in the coming months and years, a trend that can hold then can itself hold down price increases. Still, even as it nears the Fed's target level, many Americans remain exasperated that average prices are still about 19% higher than they were when Biden took office. From December to January, average national gas prices tumbled 3.3%, the government said. Yet, so far this month, the average price has climbed higher, rising 15 cents to $3.23 a gallon as of Tuesday, according to AAA. Grocery prices rose 0.04% from December to January, the biggest rise in a year, though compared with 12 months earlier, food prices are up just 1.2%. But the cost of services, including auto insurance, apartment rents, and concert tickets, are still rising faster than they did before the pandemic and keeping overall inflation persistently high. The cost of a car the cost of car insurance has soared more than 20% on average compared with a year ago. The mixed data released Tuesday will likely reinforce the caution of Fed officials who have said they're pleased with the progress in sharply reducing inflation but want to see further evidence before feeling confident that it's sustainably headed back to their 2% target. This has been Carolyn reading to you from the Cape Cod Times on Wednesday, February 14th. I hope you all have a wonderful day.